Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow, fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. Grandma'sCatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Today is Wednesday, March 16th. Coming up, Black foster children in Kansas likely won't live with parents who come from a similar racial background. Some children wonder how their life would have been different if they did. And I always find this difficult because of that very thing. I had a great experience, and so I don't know that I would change my family. I think it could have been enhanced. Plus, why is a Kansas City radio station broadcasting Russian propaganda? But first, some headlines. New COVID-19 cases in the Kansas City area have dropped to the lowest levels since the beginning of last summer. KCUR's Alex Smith reports. An average of 139 COVID cases are reported each day in the metro area, according to the Mid-America Regional Council. That's the lowest rate since June 2021. Hospitalizations have also dropped to levels not seen since last summer. Both Kansas and Missouri are below the national average for new COVID cases, with declines of more than 50% in the last two weeks. Despite the lower case rates, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention urge people to get vaccinated and to consider wearing masks if they're immune Compromised. Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt sued the state's school board association yesterday for allegedly withholding records of its guidance on critical race theory, mask mandates, and more. KCUR's Jody Fortino reports. Schmidt, who is running for the U.S. Senate, said in a news release that his office also requested records regarding the group's role in a letter sent to President Biden last fall by the National School Boards Association. The letter asked for protection against threats and harassment directed at school officials that it compared to domestic terrorism. Schmidt claimed the state organization knew about the letter in advance, even though its lawyers said there were no responsive records. Chuck Hatfield, the Missouri School Board Association's attorney, said the lawsuit was being used to advance a political agenda. He also said an attorney general has never sued a not-for-profit entity for violating the Sunshine Law. Kansas State Senator Cindy Holscher of Overland Park wants to ban so-called ghost guns in Kansas following a shooting at Olathe East High School earlier this month. The bill is modeled after a Delaware law making it illegal to manufacture a gun using a 3D printer or to possess an unfinished firearm with no serial number. That kind of gun was reportedly used by an 18-year-old student to shoot a school officer and assistant principal at Olathe East. Holscher says her own son attends the school and was in class that day. We have seen increases in gun violence and increases of school gun violence. So it's always been a concern, but I will tell you something does shift when you're a parent and it's your child's school. Similar bans on ghost guns are on the books in 10 states and D.C. Plenty of U.S. companies and institutions are cutting ties with Russia now that the country has invaded Ukraine. But in the Kansas City area, there's a radio station that says it doesn't plan to do so. KCXL in Liberty is paid to broadcast several hours a day of Radio Sputnik, a program funded by the Russian government that many call propaganda. Kayvon Mansouri of NPR's Midwest Newsroom has been reporting on this story for us. Here's our conversation. Can you tell me about Radio Sputnik and its connection to Kansas City? Radio Sputnik is programming that is uh, created in Washington, D.C., funded by the Russian government uh, through one of its media arms of the Kremlin. The programming is basically 
created for American audiences, uh, done by American journalists and broadcast to a handful of stations uh, throughout the uh, country. Um, one of such is KCXL, a small AM radio station in Liberty, Missouri. KCXL broadcasts Radio Sputnik twice a day for several hours, um, and they're paid uh, roughly $5,000 a month to air this programming that some some call propaganda. And then and, and those funds basically come from the Russian government uh, funneled through a, uh, a, a different company in Florida. How has the Russian invasion of Ukraine affected all of this? Since the invasion began, more calls have uh, come for KCXL to stop broadcasting Radio Sputnik. Um, there has been a lot of callers, according to the owner, Pete Chartel, calling in saying, you need to stop this, your traders for airing, things like this. And there's also the National Association of Broadcasters, which a few weeks ago came out and said, any radio stations that are uh, broadcasting Radio Sputnik or Russian state-funded media should stop. They aren't saying they have to stop, just they're urging them to stop, kind of calling it uh, inappropriate. I spoke to the chief legal officer of the National Association of Broadcasters, and he said uh, it's an inappropriate time to be airing what he called propaganda on U.S. airwaves as um, Ukrainians are fighting uh, fighting a Russian invasion that he called unprovoked. So what else do they have on KCXL? When KCXL isn't broadcasting Radio Sputnik, they have sort of a smorgasbord of, of different things. A lot of it is Catholic uh, lectures and, and programs, kind of Bible study, if you will. Um, and then the other stuff they have is more sort of controversial uh, political talk. There's one show called True News that I believe the Anti-Defamation League has critiqued many times for having anti-LGBTQ, uh, anti-Judaic, Islamophobic content. Um, so the Radio Sputnik isn't the only um, program that's kind of drawn KCL uh, criticism in the past. There was a Missouri House of Representatives hopeful who was on the airways a few years back who also drew um, some attention to KCXL for going on um, what amounted to an anti-Semitic rant uh, on, on the airwaves uh, that landed KCXL in hot water once before. And Pete Chartel, the owner, would uh, would admit that, that there's some controversial things that are on his airwaves. I mean, a listener I spoke to actually uh, said that's why he listens to KCXL, because he can get uh, some views there that he can't get elsewhere, um, those views being sometimes rather rather controversial. The viewer I spoke to called himself a conspiracy researcher, and he said a lot of the uh, information he gets comes from KCXL and radio stations like it. So have other Russian media in the U.S. changed what they're doing since that conflict started? So last week, uh, RT, which is a, a well-known uh, television uh, news channel uh, that is also funded by the Russian government, uh, announced that since it was being dropped by Roku and DirecTV, that it was going to close its American branch and lay off most of the staff. Much like other things that you're seeing, you're seeing a lot of businesses kind of protest in a way uh, these uh, protests in a way the the Russian invasion by ending uh, partnerships and you know taking their business out of Russia. Well, it's the same way with Direct TV and Roku. They say we're not going to air the this Russian funded 
uh, news media anymore. Now, Radio Sputnik, there's been no no news that says they're going to end their operation, as far as we know. How has the owner of KCXL in Liberty responded to all of this? So Pete Chartel has said that when the National Association of Broadcasters came out and said that his radio station and other radio stations like his that air Radio Sputnik need to stop, that they basically trampled uh, freedom of speech. I think he... <laughs> He uh, called it a farce when I spoke with him. He said that while he and his wife uh, had talked about taking the program off the air, they had decided to keep it. He said taking the program off the air would basically amount to uh, caving uh, and, and not providing American audiences with a different perspective. And he said that that's can be important at a time like this. You mentioned like freedom of speech earlier, right? Mm -hmm. Like he had yeah. brought that up. C can you talk about that a little bit? Basically, Pete Chartel said that if he were to pull this programming, it would be basically not allowing uh, a speech that is maybe against what uh, most people want to hear right now onto his airwaves. And he said that basically he's going to stick to uh, stick to the plan and, and keep this on the air. But on the other hand. He also said that if he were to pull Radio Sputnik from his airwaves, he probably couldn't keep his radio station open anymore. That $5,000 a month, he says, keeps the lights on and keeps uh, his radio station on the airwaves. Um, and without it, you know, uh, he, he says that it basically would be the end of uh, KCXL. Kayvon Mansouri is a reporter for NPR's Midwest Newsroom, based here at KCUR. Black children are more likely than other kids in the Kansas foster care system to land in homes with parents of a different race. Blaze Mesa of the Kansas News Service reports on how some state agencies are working to increase the number of non-white parents that are licensed to foster kids. Tara Coleman is a black foster parent who has taken in about 30 children since she first got her license. Coleman serves as a respite home. That means kids tend to stay with her for a short amount of time. She's giving me a tour of her house in Manhattan. So usually what I do is I want to point out this room over here. When we moved in, this was supposed to be like the study where I work from home, and now it is the child room. So When she was taking uh, classes to become a licensed foster home, she did not see many other black parents. I might be the only one, maybe there's one other person of color, but generally not. Black children don't need to be placed in black homes, but some state agencies are trying to make their pool of parents more diverse. Few studies have looked at the success of foster placements based on matching racial or ethnic backgrounds, but the ones that exist suggest it leads to better outcomes. There is comfort and familiarity. It's a problem if the unfamiliarity you have isn't welcoming. Foster agencies say they need all types of parents, diversity of religion, gender and cultural backgrounds, even parents who like sports and homes without pets. But diversity in racial and ethnic backgrounds are especially important. The Kansas Department for Children and Families did not provide demographic breakdowns of the state's foster parents. Two of the larger private foster care companies did. Those companies, TFI and KBC Kansas, have diversity statistics that mirrored the state's population. KBC Kansas had fewer Hispanic parents than statewide data, but both agencies had representative samples of black parents. Lainey Uphoff is the director of recruitment for state contractor TFI. She says the agency encourages parents to reach out to biological family to learn more about a child. Say, hey, what's their favorite meal? Can you send me the recipe? What's your hair care routine or skin care routine so that I can continue that here? Coleman says Kansas needs more diversity among its foster parents. She has not met many Asian or Hispanic foster parents. Black children are also overrepresented in the foster care system. So even when agencies meet statewide averages, the diversity of their homes lag behind the diversity of children in care. 
we stood out, and that part was uncomfortable. That's Nathan Ross. He's black and was adopted out of the Missouri foster care system by white parents. He knows firsthand how a lack of representation affects children. More families of color that can represent the kids in care is important. Not having reference points, people who mirrored me, looked like me, um, it does make you feel kind of isolated. Ross was placed in a home with his siblings and lived with his biological parents until age 10. He says that helped him connect to some of his heritage, but he feels disconnected. Ross is working to reconnect with his culture, but still has more to learn. I do feel like my life is better, and I do feel like I've had I have a more positive outlook. Like, I feel like I'm getting to that place where I have a fuller sense of who I am. Um, and that's for sure because I've had the opportunity to look at race and culture. Ross loves his adoptive parents and has no regrets about his upbringing. But he says race was not talked about during his childhood. That made it harder for him to tell his parents when someone had been racist to him. He now works with the North American Council on Adoptable Children, a group that advocates for changes to child welfare. He says states need to do more to prevent children from entering foster care in the first place, and they must intentionally talk to families of color to gain their experience. KBC Kansas launched this advertising campaign to attract more black families. I just, I tell everybody, don't listen to what people say. These teenagers really need us because they are our future. That program has had some success, but Ross encouraged states to do more than just run ad campaigns. He says quality conversations will help understand the needs of families of color and their surrounding communities. He says that will make the state's approach better overall. For the Kansas News Service, I'm Blaze Mesa in Manhattan. The Kansas News Service is a collaboration of KCUR, KMUW, Kansas Public Radio, and High Plains Public Radio. It reports on health, the many factors that influence it, and their connection to public policy. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast is produced by Byron Love and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Kayvon's story about Radio Sputnik and Blaze's story on Black foster parents, visit kcur.org, where you can also find a live stream of Kansas City's NPR station. If you like our show, we'd love if you could help us out by rating and reviewing us on your favorite podcast app. Tomorrow, we'll get an update on what the Kansas City Council has been up to recently. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon.